whom do I place my hope and my confidence? And why? Why am I trusting in who I am trusting? Our key text is taken from 1 Kings chapter 17, and we'll be reading from verse 1 to 7. This is what I want to ask you to do for me, is stand for the reading of God's word with your Bibles in hand. Hallelujah. We stand for the reading of God's holy word. Uh, that's how we, one of the ways we honor his word here at Church on the Rock. I want you to lift your Bibles up. Uh, even if it's on a phone or a tablet or some other device that you have, it's okay. Lift it up and just declare with me that this is God's word, not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just remain standing and let me read for you. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Now Elijah was from Tishbe in Gilead. Um, now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kirith Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kirith Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thine word is truth. We need you to transform us this morning from the inside out. So we submit our hearts, our lives, our minds to you, Lord God. And we say, let your will be done. And let your kingdom come. Open our eyes to see your truth. Our ears to hear your voice. Our minds to understand your word. And our hearts to receive everything you have in store for us. Let us be more than mere hearers of your word. But do us also. We give you all the glory. And all the honor. We decrease so you would increase in our midst. In Jesus name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. In fact, trust is a, a valuable, valuable commodity. I mean, people really give trust these days. If you ask anyone um, up in relationship, what are some of the things you value? When you want to date someone or marry someone, they will tell you that the person must be trustworthy. So people really give trust. Usually, it's something that's earned. But the truth is that without having trust, 
but without having trust in someone or something, it's hard to do anything in this life. Whether we believe it or not, every person trusts something or someone. Life doesn't exist without some trust in something or someone. It's like worship. It is undeniable, irrefutable, that people always worship. The issue is not, will we worship? Is what or who we worship? Because it is a consistent part of our lives. And so is trust. And now you say that, listen, trust no one. Trust nobody. Right? I don't trust nobody. That, that's true. Absolutely 100% accurate. Because you can't trust nobody, you have to trust somebody. So I agree with you that you trust nobody. But what I also agree with is that you're always trusting somebody. In fact, I'll tell you how trust works. The person this morning who thinks that I trust nobody works and expects to get paid. They trust that when they work, the person who they work for will pay them. So you trust somebody. You trust the ushers. Because none of you looked in the chair to see what we put in there this morning. You didn't check it. If I ask you, what are you sitting on? You're going to see a chair. Uh, if I ask you, what's in the chair? You're probably going to have to check to see. And the chair works. So we trust the person who put the chair down. We trust that the people would be smart enough to put chairs down that can hold our body weight. Though they don't know how much pounds we weigh when we come in. We trust that a chair is built strong enough to keep us up. When you got up this morning, I mean, though you couldn't see clearly before you, you, you washed your face, you took your toothbrush and you started cleaning your teeth. You didn't check to see if any was missing. You just trust that they are supposed to be in place. So we all trust. We trust that our cars will start. Don't know if, have you ever gotten in your car, put the key in the ignition, and then not have it start? How did it make you feel? The truth is it should have started. It had started hundreds of times before, but no, it didn't. You trusted it to be able to start when you needed it. We trust that our grocery stores will have food. They may not have the specific brand or, of cereal or coffee that we want, but we trust that they will have milk and bread and meat and all these things. We know we go to the supermarket trusting that they will stock the shelves. We have... When we have trouble around the house, we trust that the police and the firemen will be able to protect us. People will say they don't trust police, but if there's a problem, they dial 119 or 911. People may have their enemies working at the fire station, but when there's a fire at their house, they call the fire service. And we trust that our friends will be there for us. That our church family will lift us up in prayer and be there in our moments of joy and sadness. Whether we like it or not, we all trust. So the question is not will we trust. The question is who do we trust? And why do we trust 
who we trust. Because trust is woven into the very fabric of our lives. And without trust, we can hardly function. So, what do you trust this morning? And why? And so the story we are looking at is a story about trust. The characters in the story are all being taught a lesson in trust. It includes Jezebel, Ahab, a widow, and a prophet called Elijah. We're going to look and see how that works. But our text is from 1 Kings 17, as we read earlier. But the story actually starts in chapter 16 from around verse 29. And in verse 29 of chapter 16 of 1 Kings, it says, In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel. And he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. So let me help you. By this time, the 12 tribes had split. There was Judah, and Judah, we get the house of David. Judah, Judah's capital was Jerusalem. The other tribes, other 10 tribes, um, excluding Benjamin, who was a part of Judah, right? They were called Samaria. And they, that was the capital of Israel, right? Now, that is why in the New Testament, the Bible says Jews had problems with Samaritans. Because the Jews, the ones from Judah, always felt like the other tribes were the people who brought in idol worship to the entire house of God, the children of God. And so that is why Jews and Samaritans never got along. Alright? So now, they had different kings. They had some kings in Judah, and they had some kings in Samaria. Ahab was a king in Samaria. And so, he's over them for 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, the scripture said, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. Now you have to understand the kings to understand how terrible the kings were. And for Ahab to surpass them, it was very bad. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, sons of Naboth, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbaal. Now, if your father-in-law is going to be anything Baal, it's not going to work out good. Right? King of the Sidonians. And he began to serve Baal. Well, if your wife is the daughter of Ethbaal, then somehow you're going to probably end up worshipping Baal. Not only that, he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal and he built that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made Asherah pole and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel before him. In other words, words Ahab was a wicked king. But he, not, he was not just a wicked king. He was just a wicked man. In fact, there was never a man like Ahab, the scripture says in 1 Kings 21-25, who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. 
I'm going to get into some of that. So Ahab was a wicked king, a wicked man. But what made him so wicked? What made him so wicked? Because he started out good. Understand that Ahab didn't start out evil. So the story is really what happens when you start out trusting God and you move away from that, how far it will lead you. So Ahab is an example of a person who starts out trusting in God some way, somehow, some way, they get connected to things and people who cause them to stop trusting in God and trusting in other things. That's the story of Ahab. So Ahab got so wicked. Why? Because he trusted in the wrong things and he trusted the wrong people. But most tragically of all, he didn't trust God. You're going to fall into an Ahab kind of a situation if you start trusting in the wrong things. If you start trusting in the wrong people. And worst of all, when you stop trusting in God. One of my favorite scriptures is trust in the Lord with all of thine heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will do your path. And I always take that scripture like this. It could possibly mean if I stop trusting in God, my path will not be directed in a godly way. And therefore, I'll end up in places of destruction and harm. So it's very important that we trust in God, that we also be careful the thing that we are trusting in. Whatever we are trusting in is really our God. So if I'm trusting in money to direct me, then money is my God. If I'm trusting in a woman to direct me, then my, my you, you understand me? My, that woman is my God. Whatever I am trusting in, it becomes a God in my life. Now we may say, well, I don't have a Baal, but we have a false God. A false God is anything that, that, listen, that takes the place of the true and the living God in our lives. So he trusted in the wrong things. He trusted in the wrong people. And most tragically of all, he didn't trust God. And because of this, he ended up trusting in the wrong religion. We're told that he built a temple to the pagan god, Baal, in Samaria. And that he erected Asherah poles for the worship of that goddess. And this goddess, the pole that he built for the goddess, was worshipped both as Baal's mother and his wife. The, I mean, Ahab just got sink into the whole family. Touch Jezebel, get Esbaal. You understand me? Get Baal wife, Baal mother. Hey, you're just worshiping the whole shebang. And, and, and listen, when I started going through this this week, I realized that as a teenager, that there were certain things that were important that I never understood. Why people would say, if you, you, you must be careful of your association. Because your association can affect your destination. It can affect it negatively or positively. Where you're going and who you're going with is very important. It's like this book called Good to Great. And in it, the, the author speaks about getting the right people. 
in the bus? In the right seat. So if you're headed, for example, to St. Mary, and I'm heading to Kingston, and you put me in the bus, and I want to travel on the new highway, and you want to bring me through the junction, we're going to have problems on the bus. So it is important that we get people who are heading in the same direction, believing in the same doctrines and teachings that we believe. Because evil company corrupts good practices. It's very important. Listen, I can't be friendly to you, but you can't be my company. Because where I'm going, you can't come. And Abraham said to his servants, you stay here. You're still my servants. You're still my friends. But you stay here while the boy and I go up to worship the Lord. There's a certain place certain people can come with you. And the problem is sometimes we prefer the association more than our destination. So you can tell by his association, Baal, with Baal, it affected the entire destination of Ahab. God repeatedly stressed how foolish the worship of these and other gods was. Right throughout scripture, God speaks about false gods and idol gods. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 46, from verse 5 to 7, it says, to whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? It says, some pour out gold from their bags and weigh out silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith to make it into a god and they bow down and worship it. They lift it to their shoulders and carry it. They set it up in its place and there it stands. From the spot it cannot move. Though one cries out to it, it does not answer. It cannot save him from his trouble. Said, wow, all this is saying is that at the end of the day, the false God can't save you. Your money won't be able to save you. The man won't be able to save you. The woman won't be able to save you. The job won't be able to save you. You will cry out to that God one day and the God will not answer. Because all those other gods, they are in it for... They are in it to win it. They are not in it for you to win. They are in it for them to win. Our God says we walk in victory. A consistent um, tr triumph that we walk in. So our God wants us to win. The other gods want to win at the expense of us. So when you call on them, they won't answer. When you ask them to save you, they can't save you from your troubles. And so God consistently tells us, be careful of trusting in other things and other people because they can't save you. The thing is that, like in Ahab's case, these were not just false God. You see, if they were false, it would be bad, but it's even worse. They were evil gods. In whom he put his trust. In other words, they weren't just false. The, the whole thing about them was evil. Because part of Baal worship was a sacrifice of children to please Baal. 
worshippers of Baal would have to sacrifice a child. Right? Uh, they also, I mean, the, the part of their religious activity was for male and female to be involved in prostitution. That was part of how they worship. So the idea is at the end of the day, listen, I said it last week, I said it again. Sin will always cause, cause you to stay longer than you want to stay, to go further, to go further than you want to go, stay longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you're willing to pay. That's how sin works. There's no good that comes out of having idols. It only gets worse. Because the closer you get, is the more you have to sacrifice. With the true God, he made the sacrifice. All other gods ask you to sacrifice. Jesus Christ said, I have laid my life down. He said, I made the sacrifice. All you have to do is surrender. Who do you trust? So Ahab trusted these false god and evil god. But the reason he trusted these gods was because he trusted the wrong person. He married Jezebel. Now I don't know, but in all my life, I've never met someone named Jezebel. I mean, it may be some fictional stuff. Listen, even in books, I've never read a book except the Bible and see the name Jezebel. I've never even watched a movie, even a horror movie, and the demon in the movie is called Jezebel. So even the people who make horror movies stay away from the name Jezebel. Like, like, hey guys, word of caution. If you, if you meet a lady... And she says, my name is Jezebel James. <laughs> you know the answer, right? Ain't, ain't nothing going on. I don't know. In, in all of humanity, if there has been a next person named Jezebel. I, I mean, our people have used almost every name in the Bible. Right? Even Bathsheba, people have used. Rahab, people have used. But Jezebel? I mean, I've even met Delilah's. But Jezebel? Never met. In fact, some of you are laughing and saying, no, Pastor, I've met Jezebel. I mean, they have Jezebel-like character to you, but their name is definitely, you know, not, not Jezebel. So that's what I'm talking about. So, Right? So I ask myself, how, what could happen to cause a wise king to marry a Jezebel? That happens when you begin to stop trusting God and trusting in the wrong things. You end up making wrong decisions. If you trust in the wrong things, you go make wrong decisions. Who do you trust? This decision was caused because of who Ahab was trusting in. That is why, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives it liberally, without wavering. Because the wisdom to make wise decisions comes from God. And when we are not trusting God, our decisions will be skewed. For the most part, they'll be wrong. 
So again, who do you trust? This woman was so despised in scripture that to this day her name is still a symbol of treachery and wickedness. So God decided it was time to teach Ahab a lesson in trust. Started out by you know, trying to establish that trust is based upon a track record. And so a series of things have to happen for that to be understood. And so for example, if I told you I'm going to do something and then I don't do it and I do that again and I do it again and I do it again, are you going to trust me? Of course not. But if I tell you that I'm going to do something and then that's exactly what I do, and I do that often enough, you'll be likely to trust that I'll do what I say even if you don't like what I tell you that I'm going to do. Because you trust people based on their track record. Alright? I can, I can, I mean, hey, you guys, your, your shirts are so similar, right? Your, your, your brothers, like Stripes, Polo, I don't know what brand is that, I see Polo. Alright, so, can, 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 you, can, you, can you help me? I need a little. I don't know them, right? This is, don't try this at home. It's very dangerous. I'm just kidding. You can't come forward. There's no danger in this, right? Come on, give them a clap. I don't even know their names. Right? This, this is going to be hilarious. He, he, he's your friend? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah? Do you trust him? Yes, sir. You trust him? Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, uh, can you close your eyes? Sure. Can you turn around? Yeah. I, I, don't, 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 don't. You really trust your friend? Yes, sir. All right. So I'm going to give you instructions. I'm not, I'm not giving you any instructions. All right. Do you trust me? That's all right. right. I wouldn't trust me if I were you. you understand? So that's it. All right. Say, so is what I want you to do for me, right? Because you don't know me. This is the first time here. I just want you to just fall back. Yes, sir. Go ahead. One, two, three. Fall back. <laughs> uh, I want you to try it again. Just fall back. No, no, I don't. Yeah, dear. No, no, no. Yeah, you, just, you just listen to me. Go ahead. Just go ahead. Fall back. All right, all right. You, you can go to your seat. No, go to, go to your seat. Um, hey, my brother. I, no, 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 not you. Just stay right here. Keep your eyes closed. Keep your eyes closed. Keep your eyes closed. Come here, my brother. All right. <laughs> all right, go ahead. Fall back. I mean, you, you want to do it. Alright, all right, thank you. Right, so thank you so much. Amen. You may be seated. Yeah, I don't want you to follow. I mean, I try, but you know, I'm not sure I'm strong enough. But he, but here's the thing. It's kind of funny. But he 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 never met him. He didn't see. But but he knows that we would not put someone behind him that would cause him to fall. That's the kind of confidence we need to have in God. That if God says fall back, no matter who is around there, we're going to be caught. Do you realize that? Sometimes we don't trust God to fall back. 
because we don't know the strength of the person. And so it's not that we don't trust the person because he was listening to my voice. The person behind him wasn't speaking. I was the one speaking. So he was following my instructions. All you have to do is listen to the word of God and obey it. That's it. That's all this is about. And over time, over time, track record, because God has done it again and again and again and again and proven to have your back, you can keep falling back. Amen? So, so here's what happened in the story though. But God wants Ahab to trust him. So he sends Elijah with a basic message. And the message is, trust me on this. Ahab, I'm going to make this life very uncomfortable for you. Until Elijah comes to you again, there will be no rain nor dew on the land. That's my paraphrasing. If you go now to the book of James, in James 5 verse 17, the scripture says, Elijah was a man like Je- just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. So when Elijah spoke to Ahab that day, for the next three and a half days, according to James 5.17, there was no rain. Three and a half years without rain is a long, long, long time. Because rain, water means life and nourishment. Imagine that God sends a word to you. And why was God sending the word? So that he could get Ahab to trust him. Why is God sending the word to you and to me? So that he can get us to do what? To trust him. How long did it take? Three and a half years. In other words, when God sends his word, many times it's not comfortable. And it is in the discomfort that we need to trust that it is still God. We're going to see how this plays out. So, three and a half years of drought is enough to turn a paradise into a wasteland. Three and a half years of dryness can make men and kings desperate enough to do anything to change the weather, even if it means killing the messenger. In other words, the, the, the people, the king had a problem with the prophet. He thought the prophet must be very personal. He thinks the prophet has a personal vendetta against him. How dare you come and tell us that we're not going to do this. You need to die. You know, have you ever received a word from the Lord and you have a friend beside you who says, listen, you have a Jezebel beside you saying that, no, that is not God. You need to kill that person. You need to beat that person. You need to run them away because if it were God, it would be very comfortable. And maybe you're on the other end. Oh, it's three and a half years. It's two and a half years. Man, uh, I can't bother with this. It's too long. I can't wait any longer. And we stop trusting God and trusting in other things. Whenever you can't trust God's timeline, you create your own time frame. And when we create our own time frame, we are putting our destinies in our own hands. I want you to understand that Elijah was also going to face the drought. Do you realize that? That Elijah would be in the same place that he had predicted a drought would be in? So though he is the messenger, he was going to be affected. So he's also going to learn a lesson in trust. So what God does, God sends Elijah 
on an extended vacation. And that is, of course, where the ravens of, of, we meet the ravens of the story. And so it is here on this extended vacation that God has Elijah fed by unclean, disgusting, antisocial, and what I call some notoriously cruel birds. I mean, God is amazing how he does things. God has Elijah hide near the brook of Keris down by the Jordan. And that's where he lives for the next couple of years. And while he was hiding there, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Now, this is, this is odd for several reasons, right? If you, if you know ravens, ravens don't generally like being around humans. They avoid us if at all possible. They are antisocial birds because they like dead meat and humans are alive. Right? They can't get to eat us. If a raven is hanging around you, <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> like like in, in Jamaica, we, I mean, I, I don't know, but in Jamaica, we, we don't like black animals. That's a Jamaican thing. Jamaicans don't like black birds. They don't like black dogs. They don't like black cats. They don't, if, if they see a black lizard, I'm telling you, it's... it's it's, it's pandemonium. It's, it's, it's chaos. It's confusion. The whole place. I mean, if, if you bring a blackfish before a Jamaican, they ain't doing that. If you have a chicken and you say, hey, I have a black chicken. I'm going to cook this and eat it. Oh, no, 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 no. I need a white chicken, not black chicken. Right? I'm telling you. I, I mean, say, so imagine a raven who are, they're normally black. Imagine <laughs> a raven turns up. Like, you know, you know, you, you welcome a dove to pitch on your shoulder. Nobody wants a raven walking around your shoulder through town. <laughs> hey, Ravy, what's up? You know, we don't do that. They're antisocial. Ravens were also unclean birds. In fact, God's people are not allowed to eat them nor offer them in sacrifice. Third thing about raven is that the food of ravens has usually been dead for a while. So they don't like fresh meat. You know, it have to die for a couple of days and have that nice dead smell for them to really enjoy it, right? So they were scavengers. They're, they're kind, of, kind of like vultures. Who would, would, who would want to share their food? Finally, even if we wanted to share their food, ravens would never share and here's why. Because they don't even share their food with their babies. Once they get to the place where they can fend for themselves, they have to go and find their own food. And so God is absolutely amazing. Then how did God get ravens to carry meat to a prophet and give a raven who feasts on meat to bring it to human who they don't like to be around. Like, like God is absolutely, absolutely amazing. And this is what you'll see work out in your life when you trust him. The means that God goes through to meet the needs of those who trust in him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will. He will direct your path. He will provide. He will take care of you. Right? Why would God use ravens to supply Elijah with food when there are so many other simple and satisfying ways of getting the job done? 
That's a question I've asked God. God, why must it be this hard? Look at the other people. Want A, B, C, and it gets done. I'm at Z, and I have to start back over. Why, God? And we think it's a miracle. It's not the miracle. It's the trusting in God. God is not working on the miracle. He's working on us trusting in him. It's a story of trust. So let's get into it. So, but before I answer our question, let me give you some reasons why people end up not trusting God or trusting in God's word. Sometimes people refuse to trust God's word because they want a God that they can understand. And so if they don't understand, they don't believe. If they can't understand something about him, then it can't be true. And that is why I don't try to understand the Bible. I try to have God reveal the Bible to me. Because it surpasses human understanding. Unless God reveals it to me, I cannot understand it. So God revealed the scriptures to me so I can understand. Teach me Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's foolhardy to try and of our own self go and understand. And that is why you'll come to this church and I speak about ravens and I do it one way. You go to an next church and a pastor speak about ravens and it is completely different and both pastors are right. Because it's how God's work. So if they can't understand something to him, uh, about him, it can't be true. They want their God to be able to fit into their small box. They put walls around him and tell him, you can't exist outside of this. So sometimes people refuse to trust God and his word because it doesn't fit inside your small box. Other times people refuse to trust God and his word because like King Ahab, they have listened to the wrong people. If you listen to the wrong people, you will stop trusting in God. You have to be careful who your ear gate is open to. You can't entertain the wrong things and then make right decisions. You can't be entertaining the wrong God and walk godly. You must be careful of who you listen to. And so there are many people who spend their time with skeptics and scoffers who have made them ashamed of their faith and they begin to doubt God. People begin to question, oh, do you, do you really believe that God would? Do you really believe that God would? Did God really do this? If God is a good God, why would God do this? If God is, listen, every time someone says that to me, they say, if God is a good God, why, why so many children die? I say, it's because God is a good guy, why you, you can ask that question. Because if you are saying those kids don't deserve to die, and you are still living, you, instead of complaining, you need to give God thanks that you're alive to ask the question. Then, there are other times people refuse to trust God's word because they have been hurt. God didn't help them like they wanted him to when they needed it. And because of that incident or incidents, they turned their back on God. If God really cared why God didn't do this when I was being abused and all this. And because of that reason, they stopped trusting God. Still other people refuse to trust God, God's word, because they are into sin. They have done things they shouldn't do. And because God's word condemns their particular behavior or lifestyle, they try to disarm God. They try to blunt his right to judge them. Because if God's word is wrong on something, they can ignore it as 
being unreliable in all things. So there are many people when they sin, what they do, they find the Bible and they try to talk you into believe that the Bible is not right. Because they know that if they can prove to you that the Bible is not right on one thing, then the Bible is not right on all things. And all they want to do is to justify their reason for fornicating. Justify their reason for killing someone. Justify their reason for stealing someone. Listen. Here's the thing. With the word of God. You have to believe all of it. Because if you believe some of it, you're going to hurt you. Alright? You don't have to understand all of it. I'm going to tell you why. How many of you have a full understanding of how airplanes work? Inside out. How many of you understand completely what a pilot does? You know when you're going to the plane, you see the seats? Most of you, once you come through right there, if the pilot is not sitting there and pulls the, door, you, the cabin door, you don't see him. You don't even know if they're smoking cigars in there and drinking beer. Right, but you're still in the aeroplane. You know that, I mean, some of you only know that the car has a brake pedal, a gas pedal, a steering, an emergency brake, and it requires gasoline to work. Outside of that, you, you, don't, you have never seen a spark plug. Huh? I mean, I mean, you have never seen engine oil, brake fluid. But you completely believe in cars. But yet, you have seen the heavens and the earth and the majesty of God. And the one thing you don't understand, you want to disbelieve that God exists. But you drive a car. It makes no sense. If you can believe that an airplane can stay in the sky, then you can believe in God. Amen? <laughs> the problem with these approaches right to God's word is that it puts us in danger. And, and here it goes. If you can't trust God, you're going to trust something. Because something has to step in where God has been thrown out. And that is why I started out by saying, we always trust something or someone. If God is not there, something or someone else is going to fill the gap. And that's what happened to King Ahab. He didn't trust God, the God of Israel, so he turned his trust to other gods and he suffered for it. And so I have this quote, I don't know who, so it's unknown. I mean, it's not mine. It says, It is often supposed that when people stop believing in God, they believe in nothing. Right? Alas, it is worse than that. When they stop believing in God, they believe in anything. And that's the danger. If you stop believing in God, you're going to believe anything that comes around. Without God, the only standard of trust, of right and wrong, is what appeals to us. And that's a shifting standard. If we don't have God, we can't establish what's right or wrong. Because it's always shifting. Because today when you do it, you, you say, okay, others can do it. And that is why it has to be God's standards. 
right? It can't be dependent on what I want, what I like, what I accept, what, I, what pleases me. It must be based on God. It must be based on God because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that because of that reason, because we have all sinned and fallen short, our standards are all warped. And our morality is riddled with impurity. In and of ourselves, we can't determine right from wrong. We can't. I tell people like, like my, 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 my life, part of my life, now I'm learning this, is that don't be concerned with what's right or wrong. Be concerned with obeying God. And if I obey God in all things, then God is going to cause me to obey only what is right. Because I cannot judge in and of myself what is right or wrong. I'm too flawed. I need God. I need God. And to live and operate according to God's standard. So if we base what we trust on that warpness, impurity, then we are going to embrace whatever gods allow us to do what we want to do. And that's insanity. In other words, if money gives me the power to do what I want to do, I'm going to listen to money. If women give me the power what I want to do, I'm going to listen to women. If the job gives me the power to what I want to do, I'm going to listen to the job. Whatever gives me the power to what I want to do, that's what I'm going to embrace. And so when we stop trusting in the God of Scripture, we will believe in anything, and eventually that will lead to destruction. You have to trust in the Lord. Who do you trust? But now by contrast, when we trust in the God of Scripture, we, no longer, we will no longer be led by our righteousness and our holiness. Instead, when we trust in a God who is holy and righteous, our tendencies will be to build our lives around Him rather than Him around us. I want to build my life around Him, not trying to get God to build around me. I want to build my life around him where I'm holy. I understand that. Listen, I cannot be led by my own righteousness. The scripture says our righteousness is like filthy rags. Our righteousness is too impure to a holy God. I have to build my life around his standards and his ways. When I do this, we will use his standards of right or wrong, not ours. We will build on his morality in our lives, not ours. We will build on his expectations for us, not ours. And I know if we trust in him in these matters, we will be blessed. But first we have to decide whether we trust him or not. So my question to you as we come to an end is who do you trust? And so to answer that, we need to answer this question. Why would God use ravens to minister to Elijah? Why? Why would God put you through what you're going through? Why would God have you to have the experience that you have had? The one word is trust. God is getting you to trust him. You see, God wanted to strengthen Elijah's trust in him. You know why you had to go through what you went through? God was strengthening your trust in him. It was not about a raven providing food. It was Elijah learning to trust God. See, he could have done it more pleasantly and much more easier. A much more easier way. But he used the raven. 
And so, let's also understand that when the brook dried up, God had also moved Elijah on. God asked him to go to a poor widow in Zarephath, to a house, and feed him. But the widow had no food to share. What little food she had, she um, was prepared. She was preparing for a final meat, meal for her son and herself. And then they were going to die. And Elijah had to ask her to share the final meal with him. Why didn't God send Elijah to somebody who had, who at least had some food? God, God not easy. God sends him on a message to call a famine that would cause him to not have any food. Then he sends an unclean bird to give him food. Then in the middle of a famine, he sends him to a widow. I don't know if you understand that when there is no famine, widows don't have a lot. And in a famine, God, the man is eating from the bird, enjoying life for a few weeks, drinking fresh water, and God says, move. You're too comfortable. Go and find a widow who is in the famine like you. He gets to the widow. The widow must be thinking, excuse me, prophet? You sure God sent you to me? Because you're a prophet. Why God wouldn't just give you what you want? Because it's something now, and I only have a little bit of food. Here, Elijah, no, no. Listen, if you give me that meal, <laughs> God <laughs> is going to cause you to have more food until the end of the drought. You know, most of us would say, you prosperity prophet, you. Get out of town. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm telling you. I'd probably, well, I would not be a widow, but you know what I mean, widower. I would say, you must be kidding me. No God would send you to me. God knows I'm going to have it to give you, brother. Excuse me. I don't care what prophet you are. You could be Elijah, Elijah, Jeremiah. Listen, this food is the last food. And this is for me and my son. The widow trusted the word of a prophet that she had not met and never knew that caused or spoke the word that started the famine. And a widow in the midst of a famine was willing to give her last meal to a prophet she had not met. The story is not about eating food. The story is about who do you trust. The widow knew that if God sent the man of God, then the same God who sent the man of God will send her her provision. Elijah knew that the same God who sent the raven will send more food at the widow's house. The question is, who do you trust? It is what affected Ahab because the same God that said no rain would be the same God that would have caused Ahab to be okay in the drought until the rain ended. But Ahab trusted in other things and in other people. It was trust. Second Chronicles 16:19 says, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. In other words, those who trust in him. God got Elijah into a situation where he had no choice but to trust him. Today you feel like your back is against the wall. Maybe God just have you in a corner where you have no choice but to trust him. 
with all your heart. Because when this drought was over, God was sending Elijah back to confront Ahab. And when Elijah went back, he had to be able to know that he could trust God. This whole time in exile was designed by God so he could train Elijah in trust. He showed Elijah that he could order the ravens to feed him. He showed Elijah that he was able to enable a destitute widow to meet his need. Over and over again, God trained Elijah in trust. Just like our friend who fell back over and over again. Over and over again, God is saying to Elijah, trust me, trust me. Because when the time is ended, you are going to go back. And you're going to know that you're going to have to know that you can trust me when you go and confront this wicked king. See, God knows that trust is something that's earned. And he knows the power of trust in our lives. So because he knows the power of trust, he always must put us in position where we learn to trust in him. That's why he lays such an emphasis on our counting our blessings. Repeatedly throughout scriptures, God tells us to be thankful, to rejoice, and to focus on what he has done in our lives. Why? Because this is more than just a religious activity. It is the training ground in, in, in trust. How do I know? Listen, God, I trust you. I'm trusting you, Lord God. I'm giving thanks for your word says in everything, give thanks. Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's how I'm building my trust. Because if Elijah had not been trained in trust, he wouldn't have been ready when the time of testing came. In the same way, if we don't train ourselves in trust in God, we will not have the strength to stand in the time of testing. Listen, times of testing are coming. Difficult times are ahead for all of us. And here's what, God is bringing you through times right now where he's teaching you how to trust so that when the testing comes, you'll be able to stand. That's what God was doing with Ahab and that's what God is doing with you. I want you to remember that, that all that God is doing, he's teaching you to trust in him with all your heart because he knows when the times of testing come, he doesn't want you to go astray or to go away. He wants you to stand and see the salvation of the Lord. So the question for you this morning is who do you trust? One man said, trust in yourself and you are doomed to disappointment. Trust in money and you may have it taken from you. But trust in God and you'll never be able, you'll never be confounded in time or eternity. Hebrews tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That kind of faith is more than, just, is more than believing that God exists. It is a faith that has learned to trust God because of what he's done for us. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Listen, I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. And I want, to, I want, to, I want us to challenge ourselves with this question. I really want to ask you right now in your life, who are you trusting? And what are you trusting?
if all your comforts were removed, would you remain confident in God? If all the conveniences in life were removed, would you remain confident in Him? In who do you trust? In what do you trust? I'm not here to judge any of us because like you, I need change. I too need to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I need to get to the place where I'm not leaning on my own understanding. Where I'm acknowledging Him in all my ways. Trusting that He will direct my path. I like what Second Chronicles says. It says the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Those who fully trust in him. That's what I want to pray for this morning. I want to pray that this morning our hearts will be fully committed to God. That as Proverbs says, we will trust in him with all our hearts. And maybe the circumstances of life has probably hit your heart. And you have trusted in your money, you have trusted in yourself, you have trusted in people. But God is saying this morning, come back to trusting in me. So if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, listen, I want you to pray for me. Because I need to trust in the Lord like before. And lean not on my own understanding. I need to acknowledge him in all my ways. So that he can direct my path. If you're here this morning and say, listen, I want my heart to be fully committed to him. To remove all the false gods and the idol gods. This morning, I'm ready to trust in him. And trust in him alone. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I just want to pray for you that God would enable you by the Spirit that you would be so confident in God that you would put Him first and that you trust Him always. In the most difficult of situations and circumstances is that your confidence and your hope will be in the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. So if that's you this morning, just, just jump to your feet, just stand to your feet, and just lift your hands as a sign of surrender. sign of surrender. It doesn't make us any more holier than we used to be or we are.
morning that we haven't fully trusted you maybe because we just didn't understand everything maybe because of wrong association maybe because of sin or hurt so we ask you to forgive us we commit this morning in the name of Jesus I pray for every person that there will be a commitment to fully trust you and to be fully committed to you. That we will put you above and before. For there is none that can be compared to you. For those who are going through you know, difficult times, maybe the word you spoke to them is a challenging word, is a word that causes them to be in discomfort. I pray in the name of Jesus that they will know that they are going through what they are going through. To build trust. It is a training ground for strengthening their trust in you so that when times of tough testing comes they will remember that they can fall back at your instruction for you will always provide safe hands for them to fall into keep them in the name of Jesus for your words declare that you are able to keep that which we have entrusted to you we declare our lives are yours Thank you, Spirit of the Living God. We bless you and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 